Open your Bibles to the book of Acts tonight, chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And we come to the book of Acts, the church in action, the twenty. The 21st century church ought to be like the 1st century church, and we find lots of things there can help us to place in our life as we read the book of Acts. I talked this morning about how to fire the preacher. Uh, you may have that in mind. <laughs> and uh, I said, if you fire me, I'm just going to go down South Florida and play shuffleboard. But 52 years ago, I became pastor of this church on this day, fourth Sunday in July and uh, preached my first sermon. It was entitled, How to Fire the Preacher, or, subtitle, How to Have a Revival, and it's found in the book of Acts. I'm going to be very brief tonight. Uh, the Lord willing, and God being my helper, thank you for your prayers. I go back in for some additional work on my esophagus Wednesday, and then every ten weeks for the next several months. I'll be going in regularly for that, so you pray for that. Still a little on the apprehensive side about my throat, and uh, I told you the other day, I told the doctor, I said, what's wrong with my voice? He said, I'm not a voice doctor, I'm a esophagus doctor. You have to go to a specialist to find out about the voice box. So I've got to get me to point with a voice box and see what the voice box doctor says. They just send you around the loop, don't they? And uh, I trust God just to give divine healing, and I'd be happy with that if he would. If not, I'll take what he brings my way. Stand together, please, for the reading of the Word of God. How to Fire the Preacher, I had another reference in Isaiah, but I'll not read it tonight for sake of time. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now that's not a car, not talking about the Accord car. I had one of those one time, I'll talk about it maybe if the Lord allow me. I used to own an Accord Honda four-door pretty green sedan car. I kept it for one week. I bought a brand new Accord car. I kept it for one week. So that just came to my mind when I was reading the word Accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there were appeared in them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. May God add his blessings to the reading of the Word of God. Father, thank you for the service thus far. Thank you for the blessings of God upon our life. Again, thank you for those who plan to be baptized in just a few moments. May you energize me with the power of the Holy Ghost of God that I can be a blessing in these few moments. The best way I know how I yield myself to you, I trust, Lord, your will can be accomplished. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. I said, first of all, if you want to help the preacher and help fire the preacher up a little bit, help stir him up a little bit, is to be in one accord, outside the word accord, on which you put the word prayer, and look at the scripture again, please. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. Take an arrow and go over to verse 14 of chapter 1. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120. So the whole object in helping the preacher stand for what's right is being in one accord. And that means you're praying together. And I'm praying for you, you're praying for me. I'm grateful for the prayers of God's people. Nobody ought to ever get the place where you say, I'm immune to that, or I can handle this by myself. 
we're in this thing together. And by being together with one accord, they were in one accord for those days waiting for the promise that Jesus said, go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with the power of God, the power of the Holy Ghost. They were waiting on that, not knowing exactly what all that meant. They were waiting on God's promise to be fulfilled. Then the Bible says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So they're waiting. The day of Pentecost came 50 days after Calvary, after the resurrection. 50 days pent, meaning five. Pentecost, a feast annually among the Judaizers, was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. They were praying together. One of the great, great things that you and I can do together is to pray for each other. We meet on Saturday night at 7 o'clock to pray. Last night had a good sweet time. Praise the Lord for that. If you're able to come and join us, do it. Or if you find the time to pray with somebody. We, I told you this morning, you can pray with somebody in the aisle. You can pray with folks behind the door. You can take somebody at the altar and pray with any time that's appropriate because we're in this thing together in one accord trying to seek the will of God, to know the mind of God. And I'm glad that God's mindful of us as we pray. The great blessing to hear folks pray for each other, to pray for me. I want to pray for you and praying together. I believe we can charge hell with a squirt gun. Somebody said one time he was preaching real hard and long and said, I feel so good tonight I could, fire, I could charge hell with a squirt gun and the squirt gun could be empty. I'm full of the Holy Ghost ready to fight. I don't know about that tonight, but I do believe we're going to charge hell. And the great way you charge hell is the power of prayer. Yeah. Prayer. I wonder what they were singing in the upper room. I wonder what they were praying. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. And baptize everyone. And all of a sudden, when the Pentecost came, the power of God came, the Bible says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared in them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. This is a one-time event. Calvary was one time. The resurrection of Jesus was one time. And Pentecost was one time. We're not trying to duplicate what happened here. Some folks get bogged down on this passage and say, well, we're supposed to have cloven tongues show up and speak in unknown tongues. Just read on down through the chapter and you'll find those nations that were listed there. And every man heard the gospel, heard the message of Peter in his own tongue. So the gift of tongues was in the hearing. Can you imagine when Peter get up to preach and he's preaching the message of salvation and as they prayed together and as they sought the mind of God and Peter being the spokesman stood up to preach the word of God and 3,000 were going to be saved because of it. But every nation that was there heard the gospel. So if they were, let's say there was uh, Italians and Russians and Romanian and Bulgarians uh, and all the other religions, all the other language of the world and they were all gathered there Peter gives that preach. He's preaching in Arab, preaching in, yeah, that's what it said, Arab. Sometimes I have trouble getting those words out, so just bear with me. He was preaching whatever language he spoke, and uh, if he was speaking Hebrew or whatever it was, he did the preaching, and he just preached, and every man and woman heard in their own language the glorious truth of the glorious gospel that Peter was preaching to them. And 3,000 are going to be saved because of that, because these folks heard, they believed, and was going to be able to take it back to their city and their country. And before long, the whole world is going to hear about the glorious gospel of the death and the burial and the resurrection of the blessed Son of God. 
wonderful to know we're a part of that great program that began many years ago. And we're part and parcel of it tonight, and thank God for that. So you write the word prayer up beside the word accord. Let's go down to chapter 2, verse 1. It says one place, one place, be in one place. That encouraged the preacher. I'm glad you're in church tonight. I'm preaching to the choir tonight. But a lot of folks have got this habit of not going to church regularly. They go when they feel like it. Don't go to church when you feel like it. Go to church because it's right to go to church. If, you, if you're able to go, if you're sick, stay home. Otherwise, ought to be in the house of God. I made a commitment to God many, many years ago as a young preacher that in God being my helper, I'll be in every service at every time the door opens unless I'm providentially hindered. And I kept that vow over these years until I've had some sicknesses. I count on my finger five times I missed going to church in all these many years. Now, not everybody can do that. I've been blessed with good health an exception to what I've been through physically, I still have good health, able to go to church. It may change tomorrow, and I may never be able to go again, like some folks become invalids and not able to go to church. Thank God for the Internet. They can hear and listen while they're there at home. But I believe you ought to come together for church in one place. The fact is, what kind of people do we need to come to church? What kind of people do we need here when they come regularly? Well, I hope you can come regularly. We have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Sometimes your job may hinder that. Sometimes you may not be able to come. But Sunday morning, Sunday school, a.m., p.m., and then Wednesday night, and then revival services. And when I was a child, we went to revival about every night. Sometimes went on for 10 or 12 weeks every night. Got in bed about 10 or 11 o'clock every night after service. And we didn't have, we had school the next day. Next, next evening, just doing the same thing again. Went on for weeks having revival over and over again. And the revival fires can be kindled to where people sometimes lose their tiredness after a while, and they just enjoy the blessings of God. There's a certain strength in being in the will of God and being in the presence of God. There's a certain strength He gives you. You may be tired after it's over, but in the meantime, you're enjoying the blessings that God sends. So what kind of people can God take to build a church with? Well, let's answer the question. Does He need rich people? No, not necessarily. Does He need talented people? Thank God for talent we have in our church. But God doesn't need talent. He's got angels who can sing better than us. Well, does he need socially accepted people in town who are socially accepted and some of the leaders of the town? Do we need those here to build a great church for God? Not, not necessarily. Is he looking for nice-looking people? Have you seen our advisory board lately? <laughs> we don't qualify at all. God's probably leaving us instead of coming his way. Do we need young people? Of course, we'd love to have young people. You don't want to have them. You don't want to have them. I don't know if there's any young people in, in, in the book of Acts right here. In the upper room, there's 120 of them get together. Now, the only results are going to be young people and old folks and everybody else got right with God. But you don't need to have old people, young people, rich people, poor people, socially accepted people, talented people, well-to-do people. There's one kind of person that needs to be in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us, moreover, brethren, it's required in, in, in brethren that a man be found faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. Our attitude ought to always be, we're faithful to the house of God. We're part of the body of Christ. We come together in fellowship, and we come for a reason. That's to be nourished and preached to and loved and, and try to be motivated. We all come together to go out and be a witness for Christ. We come to church to worship Him, to go out to help other folks come to Christ and help them in their life. We come to church to worship Him. 
You don't come to church to look at everything else in the world. You don't come to church to criticize. We come to church to worship God. And I want him to worship, be worshipped. I need to worship him privately and publicly. And all of us need to learn how to worship God. Everybody may have a different style, different way they do it at home, how you pray or how you read your Bible. But somewhere along the way, just take time to talk to God every day and enjoy the blessings of the Lord. God is the blesser and we become the recipients of the blessings. And I'm not thanking God just for the blessings. I'm thanking God because he's God. And besides him, there is none other. And thank God he said to meet in one place. They come together in one accord in one place. They were there on that day when the Holy Ghost of God did a great work in their life. And thank God for that. It don't take a lot of people. 120 is not, not real large, but it's a pretty good sized congregation. That's 120 folk. But God sometimes specializes in the few. Remember Gideon, chapter 7 of the book of Judges? And Gideon got his men together to go fight the battle against the enemy and the Midianites. And God says, you got too many people. you got too many people. Boy, when God starts reducing the size, that, that's discouraging. He took them down to, what, from 3,000 to 300? I mean, one time he had 3,000 men ready to fight, ready to go, on fire, ready to go fight. And God says, Gideon, you got too many. you got some that's afraid and don't need to go. you got some that don't want to go. We've got to find out who's willing to go and did a test of water, how to go down to the river and drink water and keep your eyes open at the same time. And those who did it properly, there was 300 of them. And so God said, all right, Gideon, take you 300 men and go do the battle. I don't know how Gideon responded, but Gideon, when he first got the call of God upon his life, he said, you talking to me? God, you talk, I'm the least of our family and I'm the poorest of the whole bunch. You talking to me? And God says, yes, I'm talking to you, Gideon, and I want you to go do what I tell you to do. And with 300 men, they were able to defeat the mammoth army that was against them and the enemy that assailed their soul. With 300 men, they set the enemy to flight. With 300 men, they were able to fulfill the will of God. With 300 men, they saw victory come. With 300 men, God did a miraculous work. And praise God for 300. That may be compared to 3,000, a real small number. But if you have one person on God's side, you're on the majority. One in God makes a majority. One in God makes a majority. And praise God for that. There's a little poem I read years ago. I may have read it recently. I'll read it again. In every church, there's a faithful few. That's the way it ought to be. It ought to be faithful more, but it's always a faithful few. In every church, in every climb, when there's some work to be done, it's very likely it will be done, but by just a faithful few. While many folks will help to sing and some of them will talk, when it comes down to doing things, a lot of them will just will, will balk. We can't do this. We can't do that. Excuse me, please. This time, we'll so be so glad to help out, but not in, it's not in our line. So when the leader casts about to find someone who will do the work, although he's done it off before, he asks the faithful few. Of course, there's very, they're very busy too and always hard at work. But well, he knows they're not refused nor any duty shirk. They never stop to make excuse, but promptly try to do the very, very best they can to smooth the way for you. God bless, I pray, the faithful few, and may their tribe increase. They must be very precious to the blessed Prince of Peace. God took 11 men, 12 basically when they re replaced Judas, and shook the foundations of the Roman Empire with 12 men who stood there on the Mount of Olives with the Lord Jesus when he gave that great commission and the great command to go tarry and to wait and to be filled with the Holy Ghost of God. Twelve men, unlikely they were, but twelve men were able to be used of God to 
uh, addressed the congregation and folks began to be saved. It went to 1,000, it went to 5,120, 3,120, then it went to 5,120, and the Bible says that multitudes were saved. And the more they preached the gospel, the more they were persecuted. And then the martyrs began to die for the cause of Christ, Stephen being the first one. And the church began to multiply more and more. The blood of the martyrs became the very seed of the church. And they were willing to give their life for the cause of Christ. And thank God for that. So we were to be in one accord in prayer. We are to be in one place being faithful to the Lord. I heard Brian talk about it today. I've heard Tommy talk about it in the past. I've heard several folks talk about it that they used to be something, they were something, then they got out of the will of God. They, we sort of call them used to wuzzers. Brian was a wuzzer one time, then he became a used to wuzzer. Tommy over here, he was a wuzzer one time, then he became a used to wuzzer. Oh, what is a used to wuzzer? Well, they used to go to church, they used to be involved, they used to be faithful, they used to love the Lord. Are you rebuking them? No, I'm saying thank God they got back and become a wuzzer. They were a wuzzer and became a used to wuzzer, now they're a wuzzer again. Thank God for wuzzers. Thank God for wuzzers. Those who put their shoulder to the wheel, put their hand to the plow, they don't look back. The Bible says if you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. You say, by God's grace, I'll do what I can do. I can't do everything, but I'll do what I can do. And thank God for those who are willing to do what they can do and get all the can-dos together, get all the wuzzers together. You don't have to be one of those has-beens, going-to-doers, going to be a used-to-beer. Just be one that does what God wants you to do and do it likely unto God, do it lovely unto God and do it with your whole heart. And whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all your might. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it for God. I want to challenge many of you tonight to do something. Walk across the parking lot. Looks sort of hectic out there. Willie's been taking a bobcat. He's tore up the whole yard. I mean, he's got a pile of dirt over here and he's looking for gold. He can't find it there. He's going to find one one of these days. But there's other folks who can help do some stuff and they have in the past. When you come across the parking lot, if you see a piece of paper, pick it up. Just pick it up. Somebody said, ain't my job. Well, whose job is it? Well, the custodian, you pay the custodian to do that. Whose church is it? It's our church. Amen. We're Amen. part of the church. Amen. We're to be willing to do whatever we can to help somebody. If you see something he's done, I walk around the property and sometimes I see things that other folks may not see and they may be little things, but I think we ought to make it as attractive as possible. As soon as we can, we get all that dirt cleaned out, that parking lot cleaned up and get that playground moved out of the way that's out there now and have one nice one and uh, the equipment be ready and look first class. Takes a while to do all that kind of stuff. We've had some unusual weather, not able to work a lot like we should. Thank God for those men who've come out and worked in the past. You say, I can't do something. I'll tell you what I learned a long time ago as I got older. The last time I helped me in on a work day, I fell, in, I fell in the hole down across the road. I was down there trying to help do what I thought I could do and I fell down and got my, my leg in a hole and fell down. That's the last time I've done any manual labor to, around the church much except just to come around and smile. And sometimes I could bring water, amen. amen. I could go get hearty biscuits. Amen. And all the guys say, amen, and amen, and amen. amen. So the next time I show up, you say, where the hardest biscuits? I say, as soon as I find Fred, we'll get them. <laughs> Fred and I have been talking about it all day. We're getting, no, we can't do what we used to. Do you know Fred and I used to play racquetball back in the good old days? I mean, we'd play, we'd play basketball and racquetball. We were exercising on machine. We were the epitome of it. We were the greatest, strongest guys you ever seen in your life. We never would take off our coat because we had such muscles. It would be a shame for other folks to see it. Sometimes we squeeze our hand like that and our muscle would come up. We had to be careful. We didn't pop the seams out of our coat or jacket. I mean, we were specimen of men. But now we just stand around and smile a lot. 
an old preacher out in Arizona, he said, what did you learn in the pastor after 40 years in the pastor? And I'll tell you what I learned after 40 years of being pastor of church is learn to stand around and smile a lot. Well, there may be a lot of psychology there in that statement because if you ain't careful, you get frustrated because there's so much to do and seemingly so few to do it. And because of schedules and conflicts, it's hard to get everything together, even organized. The next time we have a work day, just raise your hand and volunteer and say, count on me. If I can be there, if I'm not working or out of town, uh, you know, sick or something, I'll be there. And sometimes Brother Paul trying to coordinate a group of guys together just to work becomes difficult. Do your very best. We could go in shifts. Uh, we work three shifts. Uh, we'll work from 9 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon, 3 to 11, and then you can come in at 12 and work the morning. You can work night shift. We'll find something for you to do at night shift. Okay? You say, I can't work first shift. Can you work second shift? You say, well, I can't work second shift. I've got things to do. But you'd work second shift to make extra money sometime. Wouldn't it be good to work second shift and say, God, I'll do it for you. I'll put in an extra labor for you. I'll do something that maybe I can do. And there's some things we can do. Just look around sometime and see if there's something you can do. Go over and tell, say, Paul, because Paul's sort of over the maintenance department and sort of coordinates the work. If you see something that needs to be done, go see Paul, and Paul said, get it done. If you can do it, do it. You may have a suggestion of something that needs to be done. We just need to beautify our property. We need to work on all the maintenance projects we got. We need to raise $160,000 or more for parking lot. We need to raise $60,000 for the roof or more. I'm not sure what the latest count is. Just give your money as best you can and pray for God to do a miracle in our life. Just, I went over last night at prayer meeting. We had prayer around the altar. Then everybody just prayed for a while. After I got through, I walked over there and I stood at the bottom of that sign. And I looked way up at the top. There's $194,000. We're at pushing 28000 now, the Lord willing. should be over that. I'm hoping next week or so it'll be over 28000 Slowly but surely it goes up. I said, Lord, that's a long way up there. 194000 And Lord, we don't have it. I have no clue what's going to come from. But God Amen. is going to supply the need. And God's going to do it in His own time and for our learning of showing His greatness and power. But there's things we can do. You may not be able to do a lot of things. You may be one of those who can give money. You'd be surprised how folks are blessed of God in these days. Don't ever hesitate to give what God leads you to do and show yourself sacrificially to God. But those folks who are willing to put their shoulder to the wheel and their hand to the plow and say, by God's grace, I want to be faithful to the Lord. Just suppose, and if I've used the illustration many times, how you would feel I'm the pastor now, and you're trying to fire me up, trying to help me a little bit. I'm asking you to pray and be of one accord, and I've asked you to be in one place. Be as faithful as you can to the cause of Christ, and that may vary with every individual situation. But let's just suppose that uh, I went to Jennifer. She's sitting up here at the front. And I say, Jennifer, tell you what to do. I'd like to come to your house and eat. Okay? Is that going on? Yep. And I'm going to tell you what I want. I want fried chicken and T-bone steak, and a baked potato, and mashed potatoes, and gravy. And I want fried okra and fried squash. And I like to have some great old big biscuits. I mean, really big old kind. And I like to have some green beans and some pinto beans. And I just want to have the most delicious meal that you could probably put together. I know your capability. You can do it. So I'll be coming. Would 7 o'clock Saturday be all right? Yes, thank you very much. 7 o'clock, I'll be there, the Lord willing. Okay. And so she goes out. I'm having the preacher over at my house to eat, and he wants this, Brian. And Brian says, tell him to go somewhere else. <laughs> See, Brian's not a spiritual, Jennifer. 
And so Jennifer says, no, I want to prepare the meal for the preacher and his wife. They're coming over to our house. And what an honor to have the man of God to come and eat with us. And so she gets ready and she starts. She said, I'll wait to last to put the bread in so it'll be nice and warm when he arrives. And about 6.30, I call Jennifer and say, Jennifer, listen, I, uh, I'm going to cancel out tonight. And I know you understand. We had a company come by and we're just going to stay here with them a while. And thank you so much. God bless you. Bye-bye. Now, I don't know Jennifer will well, but she may turn to Brian. She said, I could break his neck. <laughs> pastor or no pastor, I mean, you're getting ready for a meal, and I've done all this labor, stopped and baked all day and got banana pudding on the side and, and uh, everything's ready, and he says he got company. Can he wait till the company goes? And come, I mean, can he come on now and see the company later? He says, I know you understand. It's just we just can't come today. Now, Jennifer's being nice and sweet, and she's probably, next time she sees me, she preacher, it's, it's all right. He's sorry, low down, good for nothing. <laughs> Scallyway. It's all right. Everything will be fine. But that's terrible to hurt her feelings like that. I mean, she'd probably roll with it and get by and understand and maybe down the road. But every week, the man of God prepares a meal. Every week. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, five times a day on radio, every day of my life, I prepare a meal. You say, I just don't think I'll go tonight. I think I'm just going to rest a while. Preachers want you to rest some too, you think so? Some of our folks need to rest some. You say, but preacher, you can't go all the time. We can go probably more than we do. But the meal has been prepared and we've gone to the bread of heaven and trying to find that which would be a blessing to our people. And we come and they say, where are they at? You ever notice a preacher sometimes, he knows where everybody sits? And some folks got their favorite seats. We're going to move everybody out of their favorite seats one day so you won't get mad when somebody takes your place. But everybody has a place they sit. And I look over here and I see Robert back there. That's where him and Jenny sit about all the time. Kenneth, you sit right there with Sue about every time. Tiffany, you're right there. And you're always at the same place. And uh, so when I look back there and you're not there, what did they get mad about? Where are they at today? What's wrong? Somebody's sick. Then you start wondering about them and you try to inquire what's wrong when you miss them. Especially two or three weeks you miss them. Best thing you can do when something's going wrong and things are not, pastor, this is bad, call the pastor or call his office, leave a, leave a message. Pastor, we can't come today. John's sick in bed and he's got the flu. So thank you for your praying. That goes a long way. You're not going to, somebody says, I don't want to bother the pastor. Bother the preacher. Go ahead and bother me. I'd rather be bothered that way than wondering where you're at. At least I know where you're at. If you're sick, I can pray for you. If you're dead, I may come to your funeral. If you'll invite me, I'll try to come. But let's be busy for the Lord. Let's work for the Lord and come faithfully as possible. I'm not trying to be rebuking tonight. I'm just saying in these last days, the Bible says the more so, what more so, go to church the more so as you see the day approaching. One of these days, ain't going to be long now, I said the other day, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to step out on the clouds of glory. He's going to motion to Gabriel, as I said the other day, and he said, Gabriel, grab your horn. I want you to moisten lips and I want you to blow. And Gabriel says, Lord, how loud do you want me to blow? He said, I want you to blow so loud you wake the graves up. You wake the people in the graves. You wake the dead up. I want you to every individual around the world hears the sound of the trumpet. And Gabriel said, yes, Lord, I'll do that. And Gabriel steps out on the precipice of eternity, raises that great trumpet before God, and the Lord says, blow her loud. And right now on the throne of heaven, it could be Jesus is standing, getting ready to come down. He's leaving the throne room. The trumpet's ready. 
He's on the edge of eternity, and here's Gable getting ready to blow, and he begins to put his mouth to the to the to the trumpet's mouth and begins to. And when he begins to blow, and the sound begins to reverberate around the world. Jesus Christ is going to descend from heaven with a shout. And with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God shall sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah for the promise. Glory to God for the promise. It's time to say hallelujah now. Getting ready for the great hallelujah. When the King of kings and the Lord of lords descends from heaven with power and majesty and greatness. And we bow at his feet and say to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. He reached further down then I could reach up, save my soul from hell, put my name in the book of life, gave me something worth living for. Glory to God. I'm saved by the grace of Almighty God. You say, preacher, don't get excited. Well, shut your mouth. Don't you get excited. I'm going to get excited if I want to. I told somebody here a while back, if you don't like shouting, don't get on the cloud with me. I think we'll have a shouting time. You say, I've never shouted much down here. You'll shout then. You're flying through the air. I like that song. I'll fly away, oh glory. Some glad morning, I'll fly away. And when we reach that destiny, reach the air, we're heading to, it's just that quick. We're going to be A and I's. No, not A and I's. That's not the word. That's artificial intelligence. We're going to be intelligent people going up in the air with a glorified body and glorified everything. It's going to be brand new. I have a glorified body, one likened to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Jennifer, keep it in mind. I have not forgot the meal. I have not got, and if you don't have um, me come to your house, uh, we can pick up. <laughs> and we'll tip Brian because I know it's expensive on Brian. Okay. Last thing and I'm through. They had one purpose. They had one, they were in one accord. They were in prayer together, praying for each other. I would not take time tonight. I wonder what they prayed about. I wonder what they said in that prayer meeting. What, what was vocalized? What, what testimonies were given? What about old Peter? Peter standing up, maybe being the spoke, said, Hey, listen, you, you, the rest of y'all, listen, very careful, go pray, waiting on the promise of God. I sure let the Lord down. I denied my Savior three times. The bird, the cock crowed. He told me it would before the cock crowed twice. I denied him thrice, and I did. I'm so sorry. I've asked God to forgive me, and He received me. He said, would you forgive me? Talk to the church family. I let, I let the church down. I let the folks down. I wonder what Thomas said. Oh, I doubted my Lord. I doubted, I doubted him. I'm so ashamed of my doubt and my frustration. He's alive and I was able to look on the body and saw the nail scars on his hands and on his feet. I'm so sorry I doubted the Lord. I wonder what all they said. I wonder what kind of prayer meeting they had. I don't know all together, but I know this. And suddenly... There came a sound of a mighty rushing wind in that place. The presence of God showed up. Now, God may not show up with a sounding mighty wind tonight. He may not show up with cloven tongues to set upon them to help them get the gospel around the world. The gift of tongues is not for sensation, not for feeling. The gift of tongues is not for me having some thrill. The gift of tongues is being able to have a language to get the message to everybody in the world. Amen. Yes. And the unknown languages need to hear the gospel, do they not? And he said, I'll send you into the whole world after you feel the Holy Ghost of God. And thank God for that. They had one purpose. The Bible says in Acts 2.14, Peter stood up to preach. Chapter 41, he preached again. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Chapter 2, verse 21. What's the whole purpose of his preaching? Even though he told what happened, told him to kill Jesus and 
And he, Jesus has risen from the dead. Always the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is the gospel. And he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on his name and thou shalt be saved. His voice was lifted up. Oh, listen, as a church, we need one, one voice. Praise God. Hallelujah for the Lamb. Amen. Thank God for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. When we come to church, we ought to not be dead. Amen. I mean, stand up here. And, and I know we're tired. I know we sometimes get wore out. But isn't it good sometimes to smile? Isn't it good sometimes when you're singing the song that the song goes from here to here and we start singing songs, somebody gets happy in their soul. You say, preacher, you're trying to manufacture that? No, I believe it can be real because he teaches us to sing unto the Lord with all our heart. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that's within me, bless his holy name. He wants us to lift up our voices in preaching and teaching and telling others the glorious message for the value of a soul is valuable. Multitudes were one to Christ in the early days of the book of Acts. They tell us in just a few weeks or a few months, the entire city of Jerusalem was evangelized. And maybe in seven years, the whole place was t- turned to Christ, or at least heard a gospel message, just starting with those 12 men on the Mount of Olives, or the 11 especially. 120, then 3,000, then 5,000, then a multitude, and multitudes were one to Christ. And the whole Roman government foundation was shook to the very foundation. And then the church became the enemy of the government. And then the government hated the Christians and wanted to put them to death. And all those martyrs began to die for the cause of Christ. I said the other night, the government of the world hates Christianity. It'll accept about any other religion in the world, not criticize it at all. But you mention Christianity, you've got a death nail on your face or on your back, a mark on your back. Uh, these Christians are causing all the trouble, and especially fundamental Christians are causing trouble all over the world. I'll tell you what they're doing. They troubled the place back in those days, and the whole town was turned upside down as they troubled the cities. Why? Because they had a gospel that had power and the power of God. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, Romans 1.16. And so the power, the dynamite, if you please, the value of soul, the purpose of the church was to glorify God. The reason the Holy Ghost came was to glorify God. And the best way you glorify God is by winning souls to Christ. That's how God's glorified. Isn't it good to know that we're going to baptize some folk tonight who made a decision for Christ? They're not getting saved tonight. They've already been saved. They're getting baptized and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God and salvation. I want every child to know you're getting baptized because God said do it. Why should I get baptized? Because God said do it. And when God says, do it, do it. And believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've already done that. Trust Him as Savior. And then trust Him the rest of the days of your life. Someday we're going to come to the end of the journey. And the battle's going to be over. What purpose shall we have? I close with this tonight. The only hope we have is that some preachers, some prophets, some men of God, along with Christian people, preach the truth. An old man was traveling along the highway. He came at the evening cold and gray to a chasm deep and wide through which was following, flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim, for the sullen stream held no fears for him. But he turned when he reached the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, cried a fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting your strength with building here. Your journey will end with the ending of day, and you'll never again will pass this way. You have crossed the chasm deep and wide, well, I built a bridge at eventide, and the builder raised the old gray, the, and the builder raised his old gray head. Good friend, on the path I have come, he said, 
There followeth after me today a youth whose feet will pass this way. The stream which has been as naught to me, to the fair-haired boy may be a pitiful bee. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building the bridge for him. Don't forget that. God give us some preachers, fearless preachers, prophets of God, John the Baptist, Nathan's, Elijah's, Isaiah's, and Jeremiah's, and Haggai's. God give us some prophets which will preach, and God give us some men who would who will fire them with what they preach, that the Christians help the preachers, the laity helps the man of God preach. You're valuable in the cause of Christ. There's nothing better than all the world than having people praying for you. One place, one attitude, mindful to try to be a blessing to other folks and win souls to Christ. We can turn the town, we can turn the town upside down with the grace of God. Amen. God can Amen. do that. only takes one visitation of the power of God's presence to do something miraculously in our life. It could change us forever. It did the folks in the book of Acts. Let's stand together, please. Thank you for your kind attention tonight. How many of you can say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. There's no doubt about it. If I died right now, I'd go to heaven and raise your hand real high. Hey, ain't that great to be saved? Praise the Lord. Anybody else? That's great. Take your hands down. Is there one tonight who say, Preacher, I'm not sure if I'm saved or right with God. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand up real high and say, Pray for me. We'd like to pray for you. Anybody like that? Anybody at all? Now, how many of you have a special request on your heart for somebody else? Would you raise your hand? Somebody crosses the waves of your mind that they're lost. Let's pray for those tonight. Anybody else? Now, Father, you've seen the hands. You've heard the brief message. And Lord, take it and use it some way, somehow. God, may your name be exalted and glorified. May you bless every heart and every life tonight. I pray, God, you bless the invitation of those who need to come and pray. Maybe it's just some dear Christian needs to come and pour their heart to God. Lord, how this afternoon my own soul was stirred and moved thinking about people that were lost and thinking about people in my own family, Lord, that need to walk with God. Oh, how we need to pray. We can't give up now. We can't stop. We've got to stay after the cause of Christ to be delivered to the souls of every individual. Lord, they'll escape hell and go to heaven if they're not saved. And if they are saved, they'll dedicate their life and come back from being a used to wizard and get back in fire for God like Tommy and Brian did. Lord, they rededicate their life to the decision they made years ago. And I'm glad they got a new testimony. They've been delivered from the past and having victory in the future, the present and the future. Bless the invitation. Lord, speak to us. Give us revival tonight. Speak, we pray in Jesus' name. On the very first verse, you come tonight as we have.